Welcome to the Principal's Office Podcast, where we believe that the principal's job is the most interrupted job on the planet, and creating a clear and cohesive plan is the best way to improve your school. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Miller. I'm the founder of Leaders Building Leaders, and it's my goal each week to introduce you to new strategies and initiatives that are improving schools across the country. You're going to learn leadership principles that are going to help you accelerate your growth, build your teams, and execute on those goals so you can exceed those expectations of the communities that you aim to serve. If you want to learn more about what we do, you can go to our website at lbleaders.com. But for right now, enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. to be with you, whether you're with us live or going to be you know, catching up on our podcast or one of our other social media pages. My name is Tom Miller, and this is one of our expert sessions here of our um, Empowered Executives Inner Circle. So I put this out to everybody so everybody could hear our uh, special guest today, Karen Gr- you know, you know, Karen, is, 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 this is really exciting, such an important topic, and, and I'm going to talk a little bit more, you know, you know, you know about her, but at the time of this recording, you know, just this uh, past week, we had the second worst, um, you know, shooting in uh, school history, and and so it, it, there's just so much right now in education. It's you know trying to get to the end of the year, which is always hard if you've been in education, and now when incidents like this happen, um, it's just a tough time. So I just want to kind of pause for a second, just say our hearts and thoughts are with every everybody who's in education, but especially the Rob Elementary. Um, community and, 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 and all those folks in Texas. And um, it, it's just, it's, our job is hard enough without having to deal with this hardness, right? Because every day, education and schools is a people-oriented business. We are, we are building relationships with people every day. And yes, transition happens, attrition happens, but when tragedy happens in a school, it's just, it's just a whole different level. Of, uh, of, of hardness, right? So um, thoughts and you know, prayers go out to all, you know, all of those um, who, 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 you know, were, uh, were impacted. So our expert speaker today, Karen Gray. Now, Karen and I, uh, we've, we've only met virtually, so it's great to see you. But, you know, remember everybody, I only bring individuals into this, you know, group in this time spot that I, that I trust and I know are going to bring incredible value. And I, so, you know, Karen and I both are, you know, mentored by, you know, some of the same, you know, thought leaders and we're in, you know, some of the same values-based, you know, groups. And so I think that's always important that you grow your inner circle with like-minded people, right? But those who think uh, differently. And there's a skill that Karen has that I don't have. And so I'm really excited here to learn here. Um, about about her latest book that she just uh, published called The Road to Equity, um, and 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 she's the founder of MK Results LLC, and she's a DEI uh, consultant, and 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 her work really centers around creating equitable spaces and equipping stakeholders with practical strategies to set up for uh, uh, you know success. And so she's she's a She's a public school teacher. She's a parent, administrator, entrepreneur, and DEI advocate. And we're just really excited to have Karen. She's going to spend probably you know 25 to 30 minutes, and and so go ahead and use the chat boxes. I'll manage all of those, and um, she'll you know pause, and we'll you know open up the mics to ask some questions because there's some really, I mean, this is an important. I mean, it's it's more. I don't know what a bigger word than important is. 
it's a critical topic for everybody to have conversations about. And I, and I know from you know, the situation that happened in you know, Minnesota, you know, years ago up until now, it's just, you know, Karen, it's like, it's, it's, a, it's a topic. It gets big on social media. A lot of people talk about it. Whether or not there's real impact and change made is a whole, is a whole different you know, conversation you know, are we measuring like the critical information and what is the critical information that I always really, you know, you know, you know, try to think about what is it that we need to know or what's the questions we have to be asking and as a, as a white male, like I just remember, gosh, I am so not equipped for these, you know, conversations and I, you know, I've been around in a lot of organizations. I'm like, well, gosh, if I'm not equipped, how are other people, like what's, you know, you know, what's it like for other people? So I love you know, I love the topic that you're going to share with us, your, your five C's to uh, construct an equitable uh, classroom campus and school community is, is just so important. So the floor is yours. I'll stop talking. Thanks, you know, so much for uh, giving us your time and expertise today. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Miller. I am so glad that you recognized and take a moment to pause because that's what leaders must do is recognize things that are uncomfortable and be aware that things that happen in society impact us we can't you know leave that at the door and show up these are things that impact who we are and how we show up to work so thank you and that's um you know part of being a courageous leader is recognizing having that awareness um and i'm right here in the heart of texas i'm in central texas so um the events that happen um it is devastating it is devastating um that our schools where our students are, you know, and teachers go every day to make a difference and continue learning um, have suffered tragedy. And so thank you for honoring that. Um, I'm so excited for everyone who's joined us in this conversation. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, share the screen and kind of talk about uh, the road to equity. So again, thank you for listening, tuning in. Uh, my name again is Karen Gray, um, and I'm gonna share with you a little of my experience as a student who grew up in a space where no one looked like me or saw my differences as, as valid um, or positive. Um, I'm a parent of a young African-American uh, boy. And so having that was a different, you know, a different lens that, that I had to put on and see the world differently. Um, I also am a Texas public school teacher, was assistant principal at an early college high school, and I am now an advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, focused on starting the conversation, meeting people on campuses where they're at, and then building on that so that all students can be set up for success. So again, thank you for this platform. Before we dive in, I just want people to reflect on some of the challenges we have experienced um, collectively and even individually in education over the past two years, right? We've suffered a pandemic, um, we've had to pivot um, the new normal is what people have talked about um, and transitioning from what we've been accustomed to to now looking at new ways of going about reaching and teaching our students. So I want you to just reflect on things you can learn from the past two years, 
what's now possible that we didn't think was possible before, and how can we use what we know to really move forward and thrust that conversation in. So um, again, I'm so excited to be here. My name's Karen Gray, and I am in Harker Heights, Texas, um, born and raised in Texas. Um, I started I'm from a very, very small town, China, Texas. Many of you may not know where that is, but it's close to Beaumont, Texas, outside of Houston, about an hour and a half. Um, and I am now in central Texas. I am in a military town. So um, thank you everyone for your service. Dealing with uh, military kids and that transition has been eye-opening as well. So there are new things that we've encountered based on where we live. Um, and I had to really, come from and understand the differences um, of others and how to connect. And I really wanna share that with you in this session today, um, because I, I think that's where we have to start with this important conversation. So I want you to, as you're thinking about all those challenges, and if you are uh, tuned in, whether virtually or you're listening to this, I wanna do a quick exercise to really help you understand um, where we're at with equity, okay? So as you're reflecting on this, I want you to write down one of those challenges you observe. So whether you have a little sticky note, if you have a sheet of paper around you, go ahead and write down some of those challenges. Um, Dr. Miller, do you want to share one of the challenges maybe you've observed in education over the past two years or what you've learned? Yeah, I mean, so I've actually been the head of five different charter schools in the last two years from transition and, you know, turnover. And I think one of the biggest, you know, challenges is um, the, the like avoidance of the conversation or like, like, I'll be very, you know, honest, my first school, I was the only white employee at the school and someone had said something you know to me it, it was kind of like an fu right it was like a 13 year old kid and i was like what do i even do like what what's this next step for me like so me even feeling like just lost in the conversation of how how do i build relationships right how do we have um like intentional conversations around this you know when you don't have a i i, I had zero rapport you know, and it was kind of like, they looked at me as like the positional leader. What do you want to do? It's like, I want them to go back and learn in their class right now. That's what I want, you know, because I, cause I'm not, I'm not even sure what that next, you know, step is. Um, so I think that's been a big challenge for me in every organization that I've been in establishing the rapport to be able to even have a crucial conversation, whether with a child or a parent or another adult. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Um, equipping our educators with these skills to have these conversations because we can't ignore them. They're happening. This generation wants to address issues around justice and they can't leave that at the door, right? Um, so we as educators are really positioned in a space where we can take those experiences and put that into our curriculum, our lessons, so that they have these meaningful connections with the content, right? Um, and, and that's gonna help our students become engaged. We've also seen 
the under, you know, it's been magnified the academic achievement gap, right? Some people knew about it, some people ignored it, or they weren't sure on what to say or how to say it or how to address it. But with the learning gaps that have occurred in education because of the pandemic, we've had to really figure out how we can close these learning gaps and set our students up for success. We also noticed there was a digital divide right that um so we're not equipped to have some of these tough conversations in a way that leaves people whole um, and then this digital divide that we thought every student had access to wi-fi or a device and then we're like oh wow we assumed that they did based on the world we live in but now we we're noticing that kids don't have access they don't have, there's only one device at home and there's three or four children. And what are we gonna do, right? How are we gonna use this information to move us forward and be a change for our students? Because the way we've been doing things has no longer, it's no longer working or serving everyone. So we've gotta take a hard look at, at some of our things we'll talk about today as we dive in. So as you've written that down, I want you to just crumble that up on a sheet of paper, like crumble your paper up. I want you to put that into a ball. Just go ahead and crumble that paper up, right? And wherever you're sitting, I don't want you to move. I want you to, wherever the trash can is relative to where you're sitting, I want you to try, be like our students, I want you to try and throw that into the trash can so on the count of three we're all going to launch these to wherever you're sitting wherever the trash can is that's your goal okay so one two three all right all right well how many of you made that you can put that in the chat how many of you actually made that right i know for me the trash can is right next to me and i still did not make it <laughs> um, so I, I, I was set up, you know, for success because it was positioned next to me, but I still didn't make it right. Um, there were some people I'm sure on the chat who the trash can was way across the, the room, right? So you really had to position that shot just right in order to make it. And you may have still missed. Okay. Um, and so I want us to look at this little quick activity in relative to what we're talking about today, which is equity. And equity means that we're setting each individual up for success, but we're also taking in account some of the barriers, whether it's system, systematic barriers that are in place that prevent people from succeeding. And despite the trash can, you know, if, if it's positioned right next to you, it was kind of easy for you to make that shot, right? Slam dunk for success. But if you were positioned further away from the trash can, it was a little more difficult for you to reach success, to make the slam dunk, right? And so we have to start having these conversations and gain this awareness that the same is true for our students that some of them may be positioned closer to success and that's great but we also have to keep in mind that there are some students that come to us and success is further away 
that there are barriers preventing them from even taking a shot, right? And being set up for success. Um, so understanding what those barriers are, how we can break them down, how we can position them better in our school campuses and our communities for success, we can start to close some of those opportunity gaps and all of our students can start to achieve. So thank you so much for participating in that short exercise that shows us how equity works within our campuses and in our lives. So we're gonna talk about a few things today and the educator in me is gonna come out because um, I, I kind of do the three, two, one with the red light, green light, yellow light. So we're gonna look at three important and compelling arguments and approaches for you to go back on your campus and advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion. We're gonna look at two strategies that you can begin that conversation so that we can move from awareness into action because many people are kind of paralyzed. They're not sure what to say, how to say it, or have some skills in order to begin that conversation, right? And then we're going to leave a call to action, a challenge with you so that you can go back and create equitable spaces to set all students up for success. So um, let's dive right in. I know many of you have heard of the golden circle, right? And in education, all educators have heard of that with Simon Sinek saying, you have to know your why. You've gotta know your purpose and that's going to motivate you to assist students in helping share your passion of learning with them, to help them grow and flourish, to become not only academically successful, but as a person, right? So we all in education know our why, right? We all have that down pat. And we all know our what, which is what we do, our roles, our responsibilities, um, in every state, they outline the curriculum you're, you're supposed to teach, right? So we know our what. But what I've observed in myself and in other people is the how, right? How do we do it? How do we connect with people who come from different backgrounds, lived experiences, um, if it's a different culture, right? And that's something I even struggled with myself is I grew up in a space where no one looked like me or affirmed my identity. And so when I started teaching, I started teaching high school social studies. And I was in a space that was very diverse, where all of my students looked different. There were multiple languages being spoken in one classroom. And I had to figure out how do I connect with students to reach and teach them? How do I set them up for success. Even if they looked like me, they may have had a different lived experience, right? So we can't just look on the surface. We really have to figure out ways to embrace, understand, honor, and celebrate the differences so that each student can feel seen, valued, and heard, right? So we're gonna look at a lot of the how. How do we connect? Because we got, as educators, our why and our what down easily but the how is sometimes what we struggle with. And especially during these past couple of years, how do we connect now that there's virtual, you know, this virtual element, that there's been a learning loss that has occurred, right? All of those things. So we're gonna look at the how. And as we look at the how, we have to kind of take a look at what's been happening, right? 
um, and our goals versus our systems. And I love an atomic habits. If you haven't read that book, that's a great read with James Clear, but he talks about goals and systems that many of us have the same goals, right? And in education, we want our students to be successful, to achieve their full potential, right? But we have to look at the systems that are in place to help them get, achieve, right? And obtain and check that goal, right? And so when we look at the systems in place, there are systems that are working to help us succeed on the path to success, but there are also systems in place that are no longer working, are no longer serving all of our students, or it's the way we've always done it. And I know people have heard that, right? Well, this is the way we've always done it. Well, doesn't mean it's still right, and it's the most efficient way of going about setting students up for success. So we have to look at our goal and look at the system, what's been happening, looking at the patterns, because not just the data is telling a story, but we also have to listen to the voice and the stories of our students, where they come from, getting below that iceberg, right? What we see is just 10% of it, but what's below are those patterns, those trends, those structures, and at the deepest level, the mental models, right? Sometimes our mindsets can be our biggest barriers that prevent us from um, setting people up for success because we're focused on, well, this is the way we've done things and it should be working. But that's kind of insanity if we keep doing the same thing and then we keep getting the same results, but we're expecting something different. So we've got to be willing, and that's that diversity piece, is to invite people to the table to hear their stories and in order what they need to set to be set up for success okay so as we think about this think of your goal right and then what it is the systems in play that may be helping or hurting you from achieving that overall goal so what we need now more than ever um, across the world um, we saw that and, and as we set our teachers up for success, because if educators aren't set up for success, then we can't set, they can't set our students up for success. So we need inclusive leaders who show that visible commitment. They're showing humility. They're aware of the bias that's there because everyone has it. No one is immune. Um, the curiosity of others cultural intelligence and effective collaboration. So we really have to look at those six things and say, this is what we need to empower others, to set them up for success so that we can sometimes challenge systems that are no longer working and figure out best ways, better practices to enable all to be successful. And so the three things we're gonna look at today are diversity, equity and inclusion. We need diversity and people, perspectives and positions, right? So that everybody's at the table. Because if I've never experienced hunger and going to school and not having food to eat, I'm just throwing darts trying to figure out the best way to set students up for success if I haven't experienced it. 
So we need to have and invite people to the table and different perspectives to better learn. So having that awareness is important. And one thing about diversity, guys, is that diversity is present in all social systems, whether it's gender, cultures, lived backgrounds, right? But what we're going to talk about is the inclusion piece. When we look at inclusion, that has to be created. It has to be intentional, right? So in order to set all of our students up for success, the equality piece is what we need. Every student should have equal access to a high quality education. But the equity piece and what we have to understand is each student is going to need different supports to achieve that success right, and take advantage of those opportunities. So we have to look at equity in our policies, practices, and procedures, because those can be creating some disparities, right, or perpetuating narratives that we're trying to break, right? And so the inclusion piece is that sense of belonging. How many of you, and Dr. Miller, I'm sure you've experienced this too, is you've walked into a place and you felt like you just didn't belong, right? Everybody's felt that before, right? Yeah. It was yeah. uh, Miami, Florida, actually. I think that's the only place I've ever really felt that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and what made you feel like you didn't belong? Oh, just, just the language and the speed of just like a lot of pieces. And I've been on four or five continents at the time. And it just, it, I just felt not, not you know, comfortable with it. It was interesting. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and it, it wasn't something like someone came up to you and said, you don't belong here, but it was that feeling that you felt, right? Yeah, not at all. Um, and, yeah, yep. Right, right. And so as we're looking at that, we have to realize that people, all people want to belong. Everybody wants to be part of something great and contribute, but we have to nurture that sense of inclusion, that belonging, because it's not like they received a text message or there's a memo that you received that said, you just don't belong here, Dr. Miller. This is not your place, right? <laughs> but it's that feeling we felt, right? And I love the example. How many of you have, think back, it may be a while ago, but remember going to a school dance, right? That school dance, we all loved it. We were excited, we got ready. We had in our mind like, ooh, I want this person to ask me out to dance, and that's going to be the highlight of my, my night, right? <laughs> yeah. You remember that, Dr. Miller, I going do. to dance? I just remember yeah. standing on one side of the, of the room, really. I really don't remember. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, and right. And because, and diversity, I love the quote and the analogy when they say diversity is being asked to the party, mm. right? and asked to the dance but the inclusion is being asked to dance at the party right yeah. Yeah. because if you're just at the party it's really not that fun you're posted up against a wall you're wishing he or she came up to you and said hey would you like to dance you're watching everybody else have a good time but the inclusion piece is saying hey dr miller you want to come dance right now i'm involving you in that it's gonna be much more fun experience if you're dancing, because when your parents pick you up, they're gonna say, did you have a great time? You went to the dance tonight. And some kids are gonna say, no, but you went to the dance. Well, I didn't dance. I just stood there and watched other people engage and have fun, but I felt left out, even though you were there. 
That's a, that's a really powerful visual because I feel we've all, most of us, maybe 98% of us have been at that dance. Um, yes. but, I, but I love, right? Yeah, because, you, know, you know, I've been questioned on that like a couple of times. It's not about diversity. It's about inclusion. Like I can be invited, but I need to be included in it to actually, it actually matter and feel valued. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we've got to create a space where we not only invite people to the party, but we create a safe enough space for them to belong, to go out there and boogie and let it loose, right? To safe enough for, for them to respond and have their voices heard, right? Because we may have people at the dance, but they're so nervous. They're scared. They don't want to, they don't want to go out there and take a risk. They don't want to raise their hand and be involved. And so we have to start looking, did we set up and create a space that's welcoming, that's inviting for everyone to be seen, valued, and heard? So I want you to kind of identify that where you're at and doing that on your campus, right? Where do we fall in that? So just kind of keep that in mind and that analogy, because like I said, diversity is present everywhere. We can look around and see the diversity, but the inclusion, it has to be created by leaders. And that's why we need those inclusive leaders to build that space. You know, you, with that, with that iceberg analogy, you know, when you had that slide up, I don't know if you can go back to it, but like when I was looking at that iceberg, I was like, yes, we just, we just addressed the tip because that's maybe all we feel we have time for, or that's all we're maybe equipped to handle. I mean, whatever it is, but I always, when I'm, you know, coaching principals and I said, well, how much time does that, you know, behavior take away? Like I spent six hours yesterday on one incident. I was like, and it all stems from not having the mental model, the structure, the trends and the pattern. Like we're not, we're not paying attention to the data that's informing us that we have a problem with our, you know, with our systems here. And I, I just really like the iceberg effect. I know, you, you know, you can use the iceberg for all sorts of things, but I really just saw, I was like, yeah, these are all the underlying issues that are creating the events that are taking the most time out of our day, eroding credibility and making it really hard for us to advance our schools and ourselves. And my, is that okay? Absolutely. Make sure that Absolutely. that's what was going through my head. So I was like, I was like, is this work here? Yeah. Yes, I love it. And because, like you said, we only see maybe the student in the discipline office after after that, but we haven't looked at all the things below that led up to that, right? And using that data, like you said, to inform us so that maybe we can start being proactive right versus being reactive yeah. and so that's great yep yeah that's the that's the difference you're, you know you're either leading by uh, design or you're leading by uh default right because <laughs> it's going to happen <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely thank you for sharing that absolutely and so as we look at those three things i want you to even think of your pathway that got you to where you're at right now you know we are all in education and we're all helping students grow and be their best selves and pour into them. Um, but we've all experienced different roads in order to achieve the same goal, right? And so some of us knew education and we wanted to be a teacher and we're gonna major in that when we went to college. Other of us 
have, you know, took a different route and worked in a different career, but then had a calling and said, hey, I want to get involved in teaching. I know a lot of people in this area, they have a military background and they served in the military. Thank you for your service. And then they decided, hey, I want to go serve students and I can pour into them as well. So I want, I kind of use that as a way to think about the different pathways in education that people have taken to arrive where you're at today, right? It was a journey that each of us was on, but we each had different paths to ultimately reach that same goal of being in front of students, making a difference every day. And when we talk about equity, we have to realize that each of our students have different pathways, right? And we have to look at what is best going to set them up individually for success, not just assuming that here's one pathway that we have to push on our students, right? There's so many opportunities that we can, you know, from college, career, military, technical school, all these things we want to introduce to our students to better set them up for success. And once we know their goal, we can have that information inform us on different ways, their background, their story, and what they may need to best set them up for success. So as you're thinking about that, understand we each have those different pathways, but we're still sitting here today. And so I wanna to talk to you about two strategies that you can do and utilize to begin that diversity, equity, and inclusion conversation. Because I will tell you that when you hear those words now in the past year, many people are afraid to have those conversations. They're in fear. Um, politics has gotten involved in it. So when you say diversity, equity, and inclusion, some people immediately think critical race theory, I don't want to touch that, not sure, I don't know enough information, whatever reason, right? But we have to start having these tough conversations because to me, di dialogue is where the diversity starts to happen. We get to start breaking down some of those barriers. So I want you to, we're going to self-assess where you're at with the PCIHO model. And then I want to talk to you about the five C's, all right? So I want you to think back, what and you can place this in the chat room or self-assess what statement kind of best describes your organization. You're either a one, two, three, or four. If you're a one, you're saying my organization has not mentioned diversity, equity, and inclusion as a focus. You're a two if your organization has started the early stages with maybe having conversations about some initiatives, but still there's no action there. Three, that your organization has taken some active steps to begin that conversation focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Maybe they've created a committee. Um, they haven't really, you know, assessed all the policies and practices and the systems, but they've taken a few steps there. You can place the three. And then a four would be your organization has embraced diversity, equity, and inclusion with a framework, action steps, to include, hey, we're gonna train, we're gonna do some policy changes, we're gonna look at procedures that are no longer serving us and our students and start rewriting this. You know, we've had some focus groups with educators and parents and call those people in to say, what can we better do to serve you, right? So one, two, three, or four. Okay, in the chat, I see some twos, some ones. 
I see some threes. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So mainly people are like between one to two in that. And so it's good to self-assess as educators where we're at in this process, how, how people are setting themselves up for success because we need to see where we're at. Are we in the shallow end? You know, we got our floaties on. We're not quite ready to dive in the deep end. You know, where are we at? Where are the people in your organization at with this conversation, right? So we have to really self-assess where we are, where our comfort level is, but also where we need to go and where the people are on our team. Where are they at right now? So that we can best kind of get, get our feet wet a little bit and then start kind of diving a little deeper, looking at the data, having these tough conversations, and then moving into action, okay? And so as you look at that, thank you for self-assessing. I want um, you to see that um, in the last kind of conference I pulled uh, there, most people, there was a good amount of people now having the conversation, about 44%. Um, and then the second was a two, about 33% were starting those early stages of the conversation. So we see that this is not just, you're not alone in this conversation. This is across and permeating all over education, okay? And so as we look at that, I want to briefly share with you the PCIHO model. Dr. Miller, I know you're familiar with this, right? And we have to look at ourselves with any change in an organization, whether we're starting a new conversation, uh, whether we're implementing a new technology or a new grade book, you're gonna fall into one of these different categories. You're either gonna be a pioneer, a champion, an influencer, a hesitator, or an obstructor. And so we have to identify where we are, but also where others on our team are so we can better serve them. So as you look at this, and remember you may be you have a new grade book being implemented, I may be a hesitator because I'm going to be like, hey, the old grade book was working for us. It was great. Why are we spending or wasting resources on this new grade book system, right? But in another area, I may be a champion or a pioneer when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. So it's so important for you to understand where you're at. And what we need if you're in having these conversations is we need pioneers, champions and influencers. We need pioneers who are creating that vision that people can jump on board, right? And they feel empowered. And we know people's self-talk guides their behavior. So now that they see the discipline disparities, the opportunity gaps, they're saying, okay, this is wrong. How can I make this right? What can I do to lead, right? We also have champions who are saying, I wanna support that change. What can I do to help and add value, right? There's also influencers who are lighting other people's candles, right? They're sharing that light and they're moving people forward. And these, you know these people on your campus, they're super enthusiastic. They're like, this is absolutely great. I can see the benefit in this. What can I do to go tell everybody else? You know, Sometimes our influencers might be the gossipy people, you know, and so, you know, you can go plug into them and say, hey, here's a great thing. You know, they're going to run off and take that and share that with other people, right? Whether they're in their lunch groups or their PLCs. So we need influencers, but we also have to recognize that there are hesitators and obstructors on our teams. They're hesitant 
to get involved. They're kind of wait and see. They don't want to rock the boat. They kind of want to maintain that status quo because they see that what they've been doing has worked and they really don't want to change. They're asking, is this safe for me? Let's wait and see. We really don't want to stick our neck out. But what we're going to ask them to do is what's one thing you can do to help us to change, to go in that direction, right? Can you risk getting it wrong? And we all have obstructors who are just obstructive to change. That might be five to 10%, no matter what you say, they're going to be against it, right? That's because they fear change, fear of the unknown. They, other people, they're looking at, if I'm right, you're wrong, right? They're saying this won't work. But we're, we're going to ask them to do is, can they be open-minded to something new? Can we show them that the way we've been doing it has been getting us the same results? So can we try this and see what happens, right? And if we know what motivates people, we can best understand how we can set them up for success. So maybe, maybe they just don't have enough information about it. Maybe they've received the wrong information about what we're trying to do. And so they're, they feel that they're obstructing for a just reason. So we have to understand what, what is motivating that fear in order to close that and bring them maybe from an obstructor to a hesitator, our hesitators to influencers. So it's so important for us to understand that the culture of any organization is carried out by the people of the organization. So it's, it's when we walked into that room where we felt like we didn't belong, it's the people that created that atmosphere that made us feel like we weren't welcome, that we don't belong here for whatever reason. So we have to really start to understand that if we want to create a culture where everyone feels welcome, everyone feels that they have a seat at the table and they can use their voice, we have to start saying, how are we behaving? What messages are we sending to others? Because that comes through the people, right? And so uh, I wanna continue sharing that, that PCIHO model with you. And I always go through the three C's, right? And the three C's are, are saying, phase one, we have to identify. We have to start setting ourselves up for success by being aware. So we got to build a foundation. You have to have other people understand this is the definition of diversity. When we talk about education, here's what equity means. Here's what inclusion means. So we're all have that foundational understanding. And then once we have that understanding, we can move to the second I, which is implement, right? Developing an action plan. Right, so now that we're aware, let's start looking at the data. What is the story it's telling us? How can we start closing some of these gaps, right? And it's always so great to look at your campus improvement plans, looking at the data you're collecting and saying, where might some systems be at play that keep giving us the same results, right? And then once we look at that, we wanna inspire. What are some actions we can do, whether you're in your classroom and that's your sphere of influence, whether you're a leader, what you can do to move us from uh, one, one area to the next, from A to B, from B to C, so that we're making progress. And then we're constantly being reflective, revising, right, and reviewing. Because when you have these conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion, we're not trying to reach a destination. It's a lifelong journey that we're on. It's not a check the box, 
we'll do this this year and we're done. It's this ongoing process, right? That we're constantly in. So I want us to be aware of that, aware of that, that the road to equity is continuous. It's ongoing. It's something that we are intertwining into the fabric, our framework of schools. So it's not just hey, at the beginning of the year, let's check this box and move on. This is something we're building into the system at every level, whether that's technology, academic achievement, whether that's discipline, whatever it is, hiring practices, recruiting, we're in a teacher shortage right now, right? So there's ways that we can maybe look and say, how can we recruit more teachers, right? We've got to look at the culture we're creating, right? Within our, within our, um, our spaces to attract people to come to our campuses. And part of that is understanding diversity, equity, and inclusion and creating that welcoming space. And so now I want to touch on the five C's and how you can use that. So I wanna give you some kind of, and preface this with, we all know Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Dr. Miller, are you familiar with Maslow's, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And Maslow's essentially states that you start at the bottom level and you have to satisfy that need before you can move up to safety, to love and belonging, esteem, and then the highest point, which is self-actualization, achieving your full potential. And so because so many people are familiar with Maslow's, I based the road to equity off of that. So the five C's, you got to start at the bottom and then we've got to work our way up in order to ultimately celebrate diversity, honor, make sure that we're acknowledging it, leveraging it within our classroom for our benefit in order to create that equitable environment. So when we look at the bottom scene, it's all about confront, creating that awareness, understanding our personal stories, because if we don't know ourselves, we can't understand how that's informing us with the world around us because our backgrounds, our culture, our lived experiences shape how we interact with the world, right? How we see others, right? So if we don't know our story, then we can't truly understand how it impacts our practices. So we have to understand our story and the barriers that may be in place. Maybe we have some mental models in our head that are no longer, that we have to relearn, unlearn, right? And so we have to look at those things in order to set our students up for success. So it starts with us. And I use a mirror as the symbol for confront because the biggest challenge in our lives at many moments is the person staring back at us in the mirror, which is ourself, right? And so we have to take a hard look at maybe some of the things that are no longer serving us. I know for me as an educator, when I became an educator, and this is high school. I was thinking I was setting my students up for success by I no late work. I can't do that. Like there's a deadline for a reason. You have to turn it in because guess what? In the real world, you don't get any extensions. Nobody's going to give you, you know, um, understand. I had to really take a, a step back from that and look at my grading practices, my policies that I had in place for my own classroom to say, Am I trying to, what am I trying to teach my students, right? I want them to understand the content, but if my student is not set up for success or doesn't, or has to walk to the store to get a poster board while other students' parents are able to readily get them there, 
Am I grading my student on the ability to get a poster board, right? Or can I give them a poster board or know their story enough that I'm setting them up for success or a safe environment for them to come and tell me, hey, I don't have the resources for this. Could you help me, right? And so I had to look at my own self and my own practices to inform me on how I can best set up students for success. And then once we know ourselves, we can then create those opportunities to build relationships for our students to share their story, right? This isn't the beginning of the year. All we do is an icebreaker and a team building activity, and then we dive right into content. This is an ongoing practice of building our students through understanding their story, connecting with them, seeing what, what they enjoy, what are their interests, you know, what's on their heart, right? A lot of events that happen in our world, students need spaces to share, to connect with, right? I know for me, I understood the story of my students. I actually had these index cards where at the beginning of the year, I would have these questions that students would answer on the, on the card, whether it's like their you know, parent phone number, their contact information, but also like what music were they interested in? Did they have um, accommodations from last year that I need to know so that we're not, you know, starting off on the wrong foot because maybe I haven't received them? Um, do they work a full-time or part-time job? What are, you know, just asking what their goals were in life so that when I saw Dr. Miller sleeping in my class, I'm not thinking he just doesn't like me. I can pull out that index card and reflect and say, okay, Dr. Miller has got he works after school. He's from a single parent household. He's, um, he's also in all these extracurricular activities on campus and off campus. I can preface Dr. Miller with, with understanding his story before I go talk to them so I can better meet them where they're at and say, okay, I understand your goal is to go to law school, right? To, to do, go to the military, whatever your goal is you're falling asleep in class and this is how that's impacting your goal. What could I do to better help support you? I understand you have to work and that's out of my control, but how can I reach you, right? So having those important conversations, but understanding the student's story. Once we understand their story, we can use it to inform and collaborate within our curriculum, right? So that our student stories show up in our classroom. For me, I taught history, and for many students, they say, this is going to be a boring year, miss. History is so boring. We're so far removed from it, right? And so I had to make things um, connect to my students, right? When I taught the civil rights, these students were high school students just like Emmett Till, right? And so when I opened up for the civil rights unit, we watched a PBS documentary, and then we had a conversation afterward about Emmett Till about people who look just like you and during this time period that his actions immediately caused his death and how there were some things in life today that they're experiencing that could tie into that same thing right and so i was able to help them gain that interest and in saying this is still relevant here's how you can connect that the, this boy was your same age and this is what, what happened, right? 
And so having those conversations and allowing our students to connect and say, hey, children actually participated in marches because their parents couldn't get involved, right? Having those connections to students and helping them see that they can make a difference in the world. Students can use their voice in ways that are for good, right? And so finding that, that way to connect them to class is important. And then commit. That's that self-esteem, right? That we're pouring into students. So when they leave our classroom, they're leaving better than they came, right? And so how do we commit through that, through our communication, through our feedback? That's not just a GPA score or an academic score. It's looking at character traits, right? Encouraging them by saying, hey, great teamwork. Thank you for leading that conversation. I really, I acknowledge your input. That's a great point that you made, right? So we have to commit through that all year long so that we can ultimately celebrate each of their, their contributions to the classroom. And I firmly believe every student has a gift, a story, a talent to offer the world. It's up to us as educators to create that space and to nurture that out of them, right? And you may say, hey, me and this kid just don't get along, our personalities clash. Well, you do have something in common. I'll, I'll argue with that, is that you do have something in common. And that is you want them to be set up for success. And I firmly believe they wanna be successful, right? And so you may look at every student as, as a statue, right? That we're kind of like we have that chisel in our hand. You're still going to make an impact, whether big or small, that ultimately impacts their overall masterpiece of that student, right? So every year we're helping chip away some of that so that they can become this beautiful uh, creation of who they are. So remember that no matter what, you're making an impact, big or small, right? With some students we may connect with and make a larger impact, but for every student we're making an impact. And sometimes we may, may not see that until later on. So using the five C's, we can start to understand where we're at. And I wanna leave you with really a call to action is I want you to challenge the challenges to how can we go back to our classrooms, take what we learned today to inform us better on what barriers we can break. So I want you to look at some barriers within your own classroom that you could say, hey, you know what, this wasn't working or it's no longer serving my students. Maybe on your campus, there's something that you're noticing that you can lobby for, advocate for and say, hey, there might be a better way of doing that. So take a look first by confronting your own story, creating that space for students to tell their story. And then once you know their story, collaborating that within your curriculum and then committing to setting your students up for success and that climate, right? We've all walked into a space and it's felt cold, right? Remember that you are, you are able to not just take the temperature, but you're able to move that. That's really within each of you, right? So we're not just uh, the thermometer, but we're the thermostat, right? We can regulate the temperature and that's within our power in our classrooms. So that we, our classroom can really tell a story that inspires our students, that empowers them to make a difference, that tells them you're valuable and they in turn value education, right? And so I want you to think about what you're taking with us from our conversation today. The green light, what's one thing you wanna start doing, right? Or a new learning from today's conversation. 
that yellow light, what's one thing that you can say, hey, I think I can do this differently. Or maybe you've learned a new strategy from our conversation today that you want to apply. And then the red light is stop, right? What's one thing we plan to stop? Or maybe we've noticed we want others to maybe stop doing or assuming about success, right? Based on today's topic. So Dr. Miller, you wanna share with us a red, green, or a yellow light? Yeah, I was actually just typing in the chat. Maya, green light is to schedule a strategic meeting to address the bottom of the iceberg and not just, you know, just, just, you know, just working. Like we gotta stop just working, you know, we have to pause and we gotta be intentional. Um, you know, even as like the little things, you know, in, uh, you know, a national, we have the see something, say something app, right? I know we've gone through the work, but I was like, I don't even know if we have it active, you know, it's like, so we, you know, good intentions versus, versus the intentional action. So that's what I just loved. You just made us go through is, okay, great. You spent an hour with us. Now what, you know, what are you going to actually do with that information? So, and I know you're going to tell us how to get a copy of your book and I put a link to Amazon and your website here. So let's make sure we, we do that as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I want us to remember that if not us, then who? And if not now, then when? And I think um, there was a question in the chat. How do we help ourselves and others to recognize that just because I look like my students doesn't mean I understand them, right? That's creating that awareness. I would suggest creating a DEI committee. I worked with a district where they created a committee uh, teachers, parents, educators, um, every, every person had a seat at the table, all stakeholders, so that we can best start having this conversation in a way that we understand where our school is, our campuses, and we're in that shallow end, right? And we've got to start doing that work and having those conversations, because that is a great point that some people just assume that because you look like it, you know, it's that, that bias, right? That we're just assuming. So we have to really start helping people to understand what a bias is, that all students, we need to take in their individual backgrounds and their gifts and their stories, because that then is going to personalize their education and for us to better understand what resources or support they need to have that high quality education. And so I wanna leave you with this amazing quote that I, I love that really sums up the equity piece, right? On the road to equity. It says, when a flower doesn't bloom, you fix the environment in which it grows, not the flower. So all of our students are these beautiful creations like flowers, right? We admire their beauty. They look great. You know, it's something we bring home to our spouse, right? Um, and we have to understand that each is great in its own self, but it may be the environment that each of those flowers need a different amount of sunlight, soil, and water in order for it to reach its beauty that we see, right? And so, and thank you. Yep, can't grow anything on toxic soil, right? Then we're not going to see those flowers bloom and reach their full potential. So as you, as you go out and do the important and necessary work that may be tough and challenging, but it's worth it. Um, I want you to remember to continue to set yourself up for success, to set our students up for success, 
And to be that beacon of hope, to move that conversation on your campus so that we can all grow together and be those beautiful flowers, right? So thank you, Dr. Miller and everybody for tuning in um, because like James Baldwin said, um, not everything that can be changed until it is faced. So we have to start having these conversations. I love it. And so what's the best way, you know, obviously, you know, folks can go to your website, theroadtoequity.com, all, all one word, theroadtoequity.com. Um, and we put your email address in here too. So it's K-A-Y-R-E-N at theroadtoequity.com for your email address, right? I got that right. Yep. K-A-Y-R-E-N. Is there any other way? Are you, you know, do you have any uh, trainings coming up or opportunities? Can, can you do this, you know, trainings, you know, virtually too? Like what? What's the best way for someone to work with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, visit the website, send me an email. I'm also have a Facebook page, The Road to Equity. Um, I have some sessions this summer coming up, working with school districts um, to set their educators up for success and speaking at some conferences. Just last week, I spoke at the Council of International Schools um, and they have IDEA, which is inclusion through diversity, equity, and anti-racism. So um, I do these trainings with educators. Uh, we do book studies, the road to equity, or um, come on campuses virtually or in person to really start that conversation, meet them where they're at, or we do strategic planning um, where we're helping guide their diversity, equity, and inclusion committees to say, where are you at? Let's start looking at the data, start having community conversations. And we lead them with an equity action plan that they can move forward and inform their community. Here are the steps we're taking to close these gaps that are there. And we want our community to know that we care. I love it. I mean, that would be great to add that as part of your, your school improvement or your district improvement. And this group loves loves themselves some book studies. Uh, so you know, we did about five or six last year. So maybe, uh, you know, you know, maybe that's an opportunity uh, for us too as well. It's a good you know first step. So thanks again, everybody. Uh, you know, taking time out of their day. And again, it's it's more than good intentions. Now it's intentional action. So either first do the questions that you know she asked. Get on her website. You know, uh, schedule time. Get that book. And, and you be the pioneer, right? Be the pioneer that your organization needs right now and just take that first step. So thanks again, uh, Karen, for your time and, and your expertise and looking forward to working with you more in the future. Absolutely, thank you. Bye-bye everybody, have a great day. Hey leaders, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Principal's Office Podcast. I hope it added value to you. Uh, if it has, make sure you share it out, subscribe and rate. Uh, the principal's office podcast and you know let us know how we're doing even if it's a bad comment it's okay i can take it i need feedback i crave feedback hey real quick a lot of leaders ask me hey tom you know do you have a resource for you know assessing your school i'm about to do some some short and long-term planning and and the answer is yes uh right now if you go to our webpage at lbleaders.com at the very top you can click on and take our 10 indicators of high performing schools assessment 10 indicators of high performing schools it'll take you less than 10 minutes take it through it's a self-assessment and as soon as you're done it'll send you your score right to your inbox and here's what i would encourage you to do share it with all of your administration uh, team and have everybody take it it's completely free and you're each gonna get a printout of your individual results. 
sit down as a team and take a look at the indicators and, and, and have a conversation around why everybody rated what score. And what is the best part is once you finish your assessment, you're going to also receive a, a short teaching video on each of the 10 indicators and a free resource that's going to help you begin to immediately improve your school. So if you want that, go to our website at lbleaders.com or look for the link that's right here in this uh, podcast episode and quickly take the test. In less than 10 minutes, you'll have results. Thanks everybody for always adding value to me and allowing me to live out my purpose. I'm Dr. Tom Miller, raising your awareness.